Well, good morning. Glad you guys are here today. We're actually going to take our offering right now. We're going to do something special at the end. If you're a guest today, please don't feel obligated to give, but now would be the time to drop that communication card in the bucket. And if you're a part of our church, uh, I encourage you to give to support what God's doing around here. We uh, survive because of your generosity, so thank you for that. We're going to be in Mark chapter 12. If you've got your Bible, we'll get there in just a few moments. I want to just give a ditto to what Matt said. Uh, last week was probably the best Easter I've ever experienced with you guys. It was phenomenal. I loved every minute of it. I stood right down here and just bawled like a baby most of the time watching people cross the bridge. I had two thoughts as, as it's happening. One was, wow, this is amazing. The second one was, oh my goodness, Lord, we didn't build that to handle that many people. So I was kind of glad that it didn't collapse and that would have been kind of ugly and not so good. But it was, God kept it going and I was very, very pleased. And thank you guys for inviting your friends, family. And if you came back this week, thanks again for being here today. We, uh, we want to invest uh, in your lives and encourage you to continue to fall more in love with Jesus. That's what we're all about. It's been a tough week for uh, me, some of the staff, uh, emotionally, um, been very, very draining. I, have you ever noticed that you have these incredible encounters with God? I mean, last Sunday, again, it was a high, high for me. It was awesome. And I think this is so incredible and so fantastic. And then Monday, I got a call from somebody who's going through one of the hardest things they've ever gone through in their life. And I spent about an hour on the phone with this person. And it's like, oh my goodness. Have you ever experienced that where something really great happens and like within 24 hours, something really horrible happens? How about you? Yeah, it, I don't know why life seems to go that way. We have these encounters. Some of you walked across the bridge. You made this decision. You made this dedication, this commitment, or this, this choice to surrender something. And this, perhaps for some of you, has been a hellacious week, just a horrible week. And that's kind of the way I feel about it. I, again, I got the one call from a friend whose business is on the brink of bankruptcy, and there are tens of thousands of dollars in debt and, and trouble. I found out that another family that's very close to me, I love them a, a great deal. Uh, they're not a part of our church, but uh, she was 12 weeks pregnant, and uh, they lost the baby. That just ripped my guts out. Um, and then Friday, uh, someone very close to me, and I'll talk more about this a little bit later on. Um, dear friend, uh, their house caught on fire. And in fact, uh, uh, it was a horrible thing. They, they've lost everything in, in the home. Everything is gone. And those are just like three of about a half dozen things this week for me personally. And I know for many of you, you've been through a lot of hardship and struggle as well. The thing I thought about this morning, I got up about uh, just after five and spent some time in prayer. Sitting in my favorite chair in the living room looking out, and, and I like the fact that the days are getting longer and the sun's starting to peek out early in the morning. And uh, this thought crossed my mind. And this is something I, I want to tie into where we're going today. You know, when the events of our lives happen, we can either, from those events, um, you know, be, become embittered and, and get really angry, or we can get better. And a lot of it has to do with understanding that the events that happen to us, even the bad things, even the hard things, God can use them in our life to teach us, to test us, or to transform us. God takes the things, even the hard things, even the horrible things that happen in our lives, and he uses those things. If we surrender them to him, he can, because he has this ability to redeem, restore, and renew this power that goes way beyond anything we can comprehend. God says, I can take that if you'll surrender to me, and I can use that to teach you something, to help you learn something you need to know, to, to test you in an area, to reveal some things that maybe need to change, and ultimately to transform us into the image of his son. God does that for us because he loves us. Now, let me explain something before I go any further. And I've talked about this before, but I need you to hear this. Some of you, you've gone through hard times and you thought, man, if this is the best God can do, I, 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 I don't want to follow him. 
You've gone through difficult seasons. Maybe this last week's been really tough for you. And you thought, God, where are you? How come you don't do a better job? If you're so great and so good and so big, why don't you take better care of me? And I know that's a struggle that we all have from time to time. I've had it. But what I've come to learn and what I want you to understand is we live in a broken world filled with broken people, broken lives. It's all because of sin, and we can't blame God for that. Sin was not his idea. Man rebelled. And God has given us a free will, and he did that because he wants us to choose to follow him, to choose to love him. And so we cannot blame God for the evil. Some of us I know, and I've been there, where we want to. No, i got to blame somebody. I'll blame him because it's ultimately it's his fault. But the truth is, ultimately, we live in a broken world with broken people, broken lives, broken because of sin, and bad things happen. But that's not the end of the story. It doesn't have to be. God says if we'll surrender to him, even those horrible things that happen, God says, I can use this to, to teach you something, to, to test you, to develop, to bring some things in your life that no other way that they could probably happen but through the trials you face. And God says, and I want to transform you into the image of my son. I want you to look and sound and be a lot more like Jesus. Why does God do that? Because he wants us to be lovers of God and lovers of people. What we're going to talk about today is love and sacrifice. But why does God even allow those things to happen in our lives? Because ultimately what he wants us to do is he wants us to become lovers of him and lovers of people. Why does he take even the hard things? And when surrendered to him, can he transform them and transform us? Because ultimately, here's what it's all about. He wants us to fall more in love with him and to love him and to love people around us. We're going to be in Mark chapter 12 this day, like I mentioned. And I'm going to read one of my most favorite passages, certainly from the book of Mark, probably from, from all of the Gospels and maybe in the entire Bible. I love this passage we're going to take a look at today. We're going to pick it up in Mark 12, verse 28. Mark 12, 28. One of the teachers of the law, a scribe, a religious guy, came and heard them debating. These Pharisees, religious people, debating with Jesus. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? Now, let me just insert, this is a fairly common question in Jesus' day. Rabbis were often asked, well, what's the most important commandment? They, they studied the law. They studied the commandments. It was what they were all about. And so for them to have this conversation about what makes a commandment great and what's the greatest commandment was that, not that uncommon. And to go to a rabbi, to go to a teacher, say, hey, what do you see is number one? What do you believe is the most important was not that uncommon. And this man that came to Jesus, he's been watching this. Jesus told a parable at the beginning of the chapter of uh, evil farmers, wicked farmers. And I won't unpack the story, but the Pharisees knew that Jesus was talking about them, and they hated Jesus because of it. And so the Pharisees test him with this question about taxes. Well, should we pay to, to, to Rome, or, you know, do you give to God? What, and what's the deal here? And they were trying to trip, trip him up, get him in trouble with Rome, because they wanted to get rid of Jesus. Jesus answers in just a wonderful way. Then the Sadducees, another religious group who didn't believe in the resurrection, they wanted to make it their point, you know, well, this resurrection stuff's just stupid. And they told the story, well, what happened if a man dies? And, you know, and, and, and in that culture, the brother would marry the wife and blah, 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 blah. And, and Jesus goes, you guys don't understand the scriptures. What are you talking about? You don't know. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees have come and they've tested Jesus. They've tried to trip him up. They've tried to mess him up. And Jesus answers these guys well, and this man hears this, and he jumps into the conversation after listening to this debate, and he goes, Jesus, what's number one? Verse 29, Jesus says, the most important one 
is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's called the Shema in, in Hebrew, in, in that culture. To love the Lord your God with all your heart is what's next, but it starts with this. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And then verse 30, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. So Jesus doesn't even hesitate. Here's what's first. Here's what's most important. Love God with everything, all of your being, everything. And he didn't ask what's the number two, but Jesus told him anyhow. And love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 32, well said, teacher. So this religious teacher, this scribe says to Jesus, well said, teacher. The man replied, you are right in saying God is one and there's no other but him. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than burnt sacrifices and offerings. He's saying it's more important to love than, it's, it's, in fact, we could do the right thing for the wrong reasons and be wrong. And so this guy gets it. And Jesus, verse 34, when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to this man, you're not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. So Jesus looks at this man and says, you get it. You understand what's most important. You're, you're not far from the kingdom. Jesus, when asked what's most important, replies, we're to love God with all of our being, every part of us, everything that's in us. And, and this religious teacher, this, this uh, scribe, was impressed with Jesus' answer. Well, one of the things I need you to understand here is that when Jesus addresses this issue of what's greatest, what's most important, Jesus always encouraged a practical outpouring, a, a demonstration of love. It's more than just saying I love you. Now, words are important. Solomon said the power of life and death is in our tongues, and absolutely, our words matter. And I tell my wife every day, I love you, sweetheart. I tell my kids, I tell my grandkids on a regular basis, I love you. You matter to me. You're important to me. And words do matter. Words are important. But the question I want us to wrestle with today is how do we best demonstrate the love that we're called to? Jesus said, love God with everything, all that you are, and love your neighbor as yourself. How is that best demonstrated? Should we tell each other? Of course we should. We ought to let our words be an encouragement to one another. We ought to bless people with our words. We ought to tell them all the time, hey, I love you. But I think the best way that we demonstrate, and it's consistent with what Jesus did and with what we're taught in the Scriptures, the best way for us to demonstrate our love is through true sacrifice. Two words, true sacrifice. How do we best demonstrate our love to God? Through, through sacrifice. How do we best demonstrate our love for others? Through true sacrifice. Doing the right thing for the right reasons, because of love. Most of us um, will not be asked to lay our lives down physically for someone that we love. But Jesus said in John 15, said, greater love has no man than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. Now what's powerful to, for me about that passage, uh, if you're familiar with John 14, 15, 16, and 17, there's some of the last words Jesus spoke to his disciples before the crucifixion. He's with his guys, and he is just pouring out his heart. I mean, if you knew, and Jesus did, he knew his time was coming. If you knew that in a matter of hours you're going to be beaten and then crucified, it, it, there's some things you would want to say that you want to make sure your friends and, and people around you understood. And Jesus pours out his heart. It's an amazing passage of Scripture in John. John 14, 15, 16, 17. If you haven't read it in a while, read it this week. But in that, John 15, Jesus says, Greater love has no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. 
And at the time, the disciples did not understand exactly what that meant. They probably thought, yeah, that's, yeah, um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, thanks, Jesus. But after the crucifixion, the power of those words must have been so incredible that it brought tears to their eyes because then they got it. Jesus, when he said that, greater love has no man than this, and he laid down his life, that's what he did. He laid down his life for us. And 10 out of the 11 disciples, not including Judas who killed himself, of course, but 10 out of the 11, church history tells us that they died martyrs, as martyrs for the faith. They literally laid down their lives. Now, it's possible that some of us will be called to lay our lives down, literally for others, for God, for the kingdom. But I think there are other ways that we lay our lives down. We do so with time, energy, and money. How do we define the things that matter in our life? Almost always the stuff that matters to you relates to time, energy, or money. The stuff that matters to you as a person almost always relates to one of those three things. Now, some of us, uh, like, like me, uh, have far fewer days ahead of us than we have behind us. I'm 57. Highly unlikely I'm going to live another 50 years. Unless they come up with brain transplants, heart transplants, lung transplants, you know. It's possible, I guess, but highly unlikely. And so time for anybody who's got gray head in this room, trust me, is more valuable to, to them, at least probably most of us, than it used to be. I don't like wasting time because, boy, I, I tell you, if there's anything I've realized is that my days are numbered. Now, I, I should have figured that out when I was 20. But when you get older, you, you realize, boy, time very, is very precious. And so time is one of those things that we can sacrifice that means a lot to us. Energy. The exertion of our effort, our sweat, our toil, what we do for others, what we do for the kingdom. Another way that we can lay our lives down is by literally the things that we do for others. This uh, last Tuesday, I was working on my message in my home office. And uh, normally I work on my message on Monday, but because of Easter and uh, all the extra hours I put in the week before, I actually took Monday off. And so I worked on my message at home on Tuesday. Well, my wife always watches Caleb on Tuesdays. And my grandson, who's three and a half, almost four years of age. And when Caleb showed up that morning, I gave him a big hug and said, listen, Grandpa's going to be working now. I'm going to be in my office. My door's going to be closed. I just need you to let Grandpa be because I got some work to do. And do you understand? Uh-huh. Well, an hour and a half or so goes by, and I have you know, this rat, rat, rat on my door, this tap, and, I, and, and, and in the hallway, Grandpa, are you in there? <laughs> now, I could have reacted with, Caleb, I told you to leave me alone. But I'm not going to do that. He's my grandson. I love that little guy. And so I, I used the opportunity. I opened the door, and I got down and, and, um, on my knees, and I looked him in the eye. I said, Caleb, Grandpa, I love you so much. I really do. And I know you miss me, and I know you want to play, and we'll have some time. Oh, yeah, there he is. Isn't he adorable? We'll have some time later, but Caleb, I just need you to know that Grandpa loves you. And I, it, it was, an, it was a, a little bit of my time, a little bit of my energy, but it wasn't that big a deal because I love that guy. I, I would do anything for him. One of the ways that we lay our lives down for others is with time. Another way is with energy. Another way is with our resources, with our money. Now, when preachers talk about money, People get very nervous. Um, I understand that. I've been doing this for a long time. And if you think this is about money today, it's not. But it is about our hearts, and it is about love. It is about sacrifice. But I can tell you, I can tell you what matters to you by where you spend your money. If you, if, if you showed me your checkbook, and I would never ask you to, but if you showed me your checkbook, I could, I could tell you what matters to you based on where you spend your money. And we all get that. That's just, that's truth. 
Where, if we care about something, we spend money on that. We invest in it. If you care about animals, you probably got a farm or a ton, a ton of them. You, you spend money. If you, got, you know, if you love dogs, you'll probably do anything for your dog. And, and, you know, if, you, if you love cars, you'll, you'll, you, you spend money to re- build cars and keep cars and wax cars. And, I mean, you know, the things we care about, we invest in. We spend our money on. That's just normal. And so when I say that one of the ways that we can lay our lives down through time, energy, and money, one of the ways we sacrifice is in what we give and what we sacrifice. I'm going to read you another story at the end of this chapter in Mark. What you need to know is that this is not immediately after Jesus dealt with this religious scribe and told him to love God with all his heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love his neighbor as himself. But the Holy Spirit knew in the context that this would be a good place to put this story. And it is one of the greatest stories of sacrifice in the Bible. The greatest story, of course, is Jesus, his death on the cross. He literally laid his life down for you and me. Obviously, that's the greatest story. But this story right here, this short little story, is one of the most powerful stories, other stories about sacrifice in the New Testament. Mark 12 is picked up in verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting in their money into the temple treasury. And many rich people threw in large amounts. Now, I need you to see the picture here. Jesus is in the court of the the, the women, um, an area where anybody could could enter, uh, women, men, and it's the the court of the women, and there's these receptacles. Most believe there are probably 13 of them there that received offerings, tithes, and alms, and different, you know, contributions. And Jesus, I I want you to understand what's going on here. Don't miss this picture. Jesus walks over to that very place in the temple to watch people drop in their money. Now, you know, the buckets, we just pass them around. Uh, Aren't you glad that I don't pass the bucket around personally to every one of you every Sunday? How you doing there? Hmm? Good, good. Uh, What? Come on. (laughs) And I would never do that. But I need you to see that Jesus is literally standing or sitting right there near the place where people came and gave their gifts. And so some of the fat cats came in, and I'm sure they made a big deal about it. They dropped their big old money bags and make sure that they had lots of noise, and, or they opened them up, you know, and, and dropped them all in, making a big show of the fact that they were giving a lot. But let's read on. But a poor widow, verse 42, came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. So see the picture. People with abundance, with lots came. They're dropping in all this money and lots of things going on. But this poor widow, now we don't know anything about this widow. Uh, we can assume because she's a widow that maybe she's middle-aged or older. I, I imagine an older woman, uh, tattered clothes, maybe a little bent over. She'd worked hard all her life. And she comes in with these two coins in her hand and she drops them in worth only a fraction of a penny, hardly anything. Verse 43, calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more money into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. So Jesus calls the disciples over, and what they're doing at that point, I'm not sure. Maybe they're standing over having coffee or somewhere in the temple, I don't know. Um, They probably didn't let coffee in the sanctuary like we do here, but they're hanging out. And Jesus sees this, this widow drop in these two little coins, and he is blown away. And he says, guys, come here, come on, come here, come here, come here, come quick. And they come rushing over. And Jesus goes, I gotta, do you know, I gotta tell you what just happened. This is unbelievable. 
All these guys are dropping their money in, and this poor widow, and he probably pointed her out as she's walking away. She dropped in all that she had, two little coins. Now, how did Jesus know it was all she had? Well, I think supernaturally he knew that. Perhaps he knew the woman. We don't know. But he knew that this was everything that she had. And he says to the disciples, guys, this blesses God. This blesses me. She put in everything that she had. These fat cats, they gave out of the abundance. There was no sacrifice. She put in everything. And the lesson here is simple. It's not the size of the gift. It's the size of the sacrifice that matters to God. If you take a note, you might want to write that one down. It's not the size of the gift. It's the size of the sacrifice that matters to God. And Jesus says, wow, do you see what this widow did? Do you see what she's done? Now, I shared this story uh, several years ago. In fact, it was in an old auditorium. And a guy came up to me afterwards. And, and sometimes, like I said, people get ticked off at me when I talk about money. And this, this guy came up, and he was not happy. And he said, I, 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 you know, I just, I, I got a question. What? He said, well, how much? How much do I have to give? How much is enough? 1%, 3%, 5%, 10%, what do I have to give? And he was frustrated. He was not really um, happy that I talked about this. And really what he was saying is, what's, what, what's the bottom line? What, what's the, what do I have to do just so I can check this off my list and, and have you and God leave me alone? And I looked him in the eye and I smiled. And I said, well, here's the answer. Here's the biblical answer. How much do you have to give? Everything. <laughs> I'll never forget the look on his face. Yeah, everything. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus said, if you're going to come and follow me, you're going to be my disciple, you have to give up all that you have. I said, it's, the issue is not one, two, three, five, ten. I mean, start somewhere. I think you should be a percentage giver. Uh, but ultimately, it comes down to this. God, it, it all belongs to you. What do you want me to keep? The rest of it, it belongs to you. It all belongs to you. So what, what do you want me to sacrifice? And guys, let me say it again. It's not the size of the gift. It's the size of the sacrifice that matters to God. That's what mattered to Jesus. Don't miss the point of that story. This poor widow put in all that she had, everything. And let me just tell you, sacrifice is everything. It equals everything, and that's what blessed Jesus. And here's the little phrase I want you to go home with today. True love is seen through true sacrifice. I, 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 brought, I presented the question, how do we best demonstrate our love for God and our love for people? Well, true love is best seen through true sacrifice. Sacrifice of our time, our energy, and our money. You've got a neighbor. She's elderly. Maybe she's a widow. And she needs help mowing her lawn or clearing the snow off her driveway. And you just do it because of love. You've got an opportunity. And I'm just going to give you a shameful plug for Adventureland. You know, guys, we need 60 people to help in the summer. And we've got people who have faithfully served there all school year long, all year long. And many of the people who are there now, they still want to work in the summer because they love these kids and they get that it's an investment. And these children matter to me. They matter to us. 200 kids in the back that matter to us. And I'm saying, here's an opportunity for you. How do you sacrifice? How do you love? Well, you lay your life down by signing up this morning to be one of those people once a month during the summer to go and help with kids. They go, well, I come to church to get rid of my kids. Well, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> Once a month, go back and sacrifice your time, your energy, your resource. We find ways. But what we reflect, one of the ways we can reflect what's in our heart, the sacrifice in our heart is what we do with our resources. The measure of your love for God, for church, and for his people is measured by your sacrifice. 
It is. One of the most popular, well-known verses on the planet is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You see, one of the things I love about God is that God calls us to something, and he says, and follow my example. <laughs> I, the ultimate sacrifice was God gave up his one and only son for you and for me. God sacrificed for us. And he says, now that's the life I'm calling you to, to sacrifice for me, the kingdom, for the people around you. True love is seen through true sacrifice. Sacrificial giving of your time for people. When it'll cost you. I got all these things to do. I got a to-do list. Don't you know what I got to get done today? Uh Uh-huh. But you sacrifice for the benefit of God, the kingdom for others. Your energy. Man, I'm just so tired. I just got, there's, a, you, I, I, there's no way I can do this. And you know what? When people say there's no way I can do it, I say that's the best place for you to be because when we come to the end of our resources, that's where we get to use God. We, when we're desperate and we realize how little we have, that's when we come and say, God, I, I ain't got it in me, Lord. I can't do this. And God goes, I know, but watch. I'm going to breathe into you. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you the, the grace and the strength to do what you could never do on your own. And we give an opportunity to sacrifice our resources for God, for the kingdom, for the church, for people around us. It will cost us, but true love is seen through true sacrifice. The challenge of Jesus. I didn't make this up. These aren't my words. He said, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And all always involves sacrifice. Listen. All is what Jesus said. And all always involves sacrifice. Years ago, someone gave me this powerful illustration that I want to pass on to you. And it's a word picture, word pictures that I want you to just, I want you to take a hold of today. He said there are three kinds of Christians in the world. And he gave these three pictures. One, the Christian, they're, they're, they're flint. Yeah, they're, they're hard and they're sharp, and you got, you got to strike them to get any spark. You know, they're, they're, the Flint Christian is somebody that's kind of hard, and to get anything out of them, you got to strike them. Now, we pastors call that beating the sheep, and it's not good. I don't beat the sheep. I don't believe in beating the sheep. But they, he's saying some Christians are just, they're like, they're just hard. They're hard-hearted, and to get anything out of them, you got to strike them. Maybe you'll get a spark. The second kind of Christian he described are the sponge Christians. And they're the ones who just soak it all in. Like my sound effects. They just soak it all in. They're just taking it in all the time. And they take this and they take that and they get this and they get that. And, and they're just getting larger and larger and larger. You ever watch a sponge just grow once it gets wet? And, and, and they, to get anything out of those Christians, you've got to squeeze them. You know, to get anything out of it, it's like, okay, I need, come on. And you squeeze them. But then he described, and this, this final third word picture is powerful. He said, then there's the Christians, and they're, they're honeycomb. They're like honeycomb. And they're just overflowing with a sweetness, with, with, with a, a gift, a blessing that just drips on everyone around them. That they're, they're filled with the goodness of God. They're filled with this blessing, and they get it, and they understand it. And the honeycomb Christians, they just naturally give out of that abundance that God has given to them. They think, well, I don't have a lot of abundance. Now, we all have more than we probably need, and here's the deal. We all give 
true sacrifice. True love involves true sacrifice. And I want us to be honeycomb Christians. Now, by the way, I want to applaud you guys. As a church, most of you get this already. We gave $14,000 at Christmas to life services. It was above and beyond your regular giving. That was you guys. This last uh, week, we wrote a check for $3,000 to Antioch Adoption because that's what you guys gave over Easter for, for a ministry outside of our church. And we just wrote the check and sent it off, and we did it joyfully. And we did that because of you. Thank you. Thank you for being that kind of church who gets this. Most of us understand true love involves true sacrifice, and it will cost us. But we can never outgive God. And the blessings and what he has provided for us, we just, we respond in love. And that's why the core of this, the heart of this, is all about love. Because, see, you can do the right thing for the wrong reason, and that's not good. You can do the right thing for the right reason, for the reason of love, and it changes everything. There's one more thing I want to share with you today. It's a very practical way that we're going to be able to put this in place. And I, um, I mentioned earlier that a friend of mine um, had a fire in their home and they lost everything. Uh, that friend is uh, Pastor Brian, Brian and Heather. And um, the good news is there was no damage. Yeah, there's Brian and Heather. Friday morning, about 8 o'clock, uh, they were all gone. And no one was home. Their pets were home, their little dog, their uh, bearded lizard, and their fish. And uh, everything but one fish was lost. And they lost everything. The home, in fact, it's funny because the, the firemen, you know, they, they don't really, they don't know what to call miracles. So they kept saying, this is remarkable that the house didn't com- completely burn, that the structure is still standing, but, but it was the type of fire where the smoke and the soot has damaged and ruined everything. I mean, clothes, anything that's cloth. And I think they might be able to save stainless steel if they can clean it. But it's just caked. And that, um, uh, Brian was telling me this morning that they think at the, at the ceiling level that the temperature reached four to 600 degrees and stuff's just melted in their house. And it's going to have to be gutted and they don't have clothes. I mean, they don't have anything. They've lost everything. Yeah, they've got insurance and it'll step up and help them. But guys, this morning, I'm going to ask you to make a sacrifice out of love. Brian has been with us from the beginning. He helped me plant this church 11 years ago. He's worked for me at Life Center. I, he's one of my best friends. I love he and Heather and the boys with all of my heart. And I want us today to bless them, to sacrifice for them as an act of love. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a second offering during our closing song today. Now, some of you are visiting and you're guests. And you're going, man, I thought this was a cool church because I came here last week and it was awesome. And now they're taking two offerings. What's up with that? Uh, trust me, this is not normal. You know, we don't ever manipulate or twist arms about giving. In fact, we tell guests all the time, just don't give. It's okay. But guys, we have an opportunity this morning to bless a part of our community that's in need and just to say, hey, we love you and to sacrifice for them. And so in just a moment, we're going to take, yep, our second offering today. And this offering in its entirety is going to go to Brian and Heather just to bless them and take care of them. Are you up for it? Thank you. Let's pray. My heads, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for demonstrating to us uh, true love. By sending your son, by sending Jesus to die for us, God, you set the bar for sacrifice. You made it clear uh, how you loved us by sending your one and only son. And Jesus, you've called us to love God with everything that we are, everything that we have. 
You've called us to, to follow in that pattern that true love is revealed through true sacrifice. And Lord, we're going to have a moment just to demonstrate that to the Alquist family. But God, every day, with our family, with our friends, with our coworkers, with our neighbors, with the people down the street, with the people we run into at Fred Meyer, the people we run into at Starbucks, Lord, every day we have that opportunity to demonstrate true love through true sacrifice. And I thank you that this church, Lord, has done that so many times that many in this community of faith, they get that, Lord, and I'm so proud of them. But God, I pray that it would go deeper in us and that we would become uh, renowned in this county and beyond. That people would say, wow, see how they love one another and that they would see it in our sacrifice. I'm asking you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed just for a moment. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started your life as a Christ follower. And the greatest, the first sacrifice that, that you can make for God is to give your life to him. Jesus gave his life for you. And the great exchange is now, he says, give your life to me. Embrace what Jesus did for you on the cross, the forgiveness that he offers for your sin. And if you're ready to do that today, or you're listening online, you say, yep, that's me. I know I need to say yes to Jesus. Today, I want to become a Christ follower. I'm going to pray a very simple prayer. What matters most is what's in your heart, but just make these words yours right now. Father, forgive me for my sin, for going my own way, for rejecting you. And today, right here, right now, I'm choosing to surrender, to give you everything. My past, my present, my future. All that I am, all that I have, all that I want, I surrender it to you. And I embrace what Jesus did for me on that cross. And I thank you, Jesus, for dying for my sins. And today, I choose to live for you, to follow you. Now, if that's you in your own heart, to say, yep, God, that's me. That's what I want. And the Bible says the moment you make that decision in your heart, you become a child of God. New life now is yours in Christ. Lord, thank you for those making that decision. But for all of us today, I pray that we would leave, leave here with a greater understanding that true love is demonstrated through true sacrifice and that we would be that person, that we would be that church. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to finish with a closing song that is highly appropriate because it's talking about giving it all away. So let's give as we worship. Well, this is my grandson, Caleb, in case you didn't know. Say hi. I love this guy, and there's nothing I wouldn't do for him. Nothing, not a thing. Come on up, Jesse. I love this guy, too. But you know what, guys? Here's the thing. As much as I love these two guys, as much as I would do anything for either one of them, that's the love Jesus wants us to have for everyone. Everyone. That we would love them no matter what it cost us. Today, if you begin your life as a Christ follower, I encourage you to tell somebody. And on the tables by the doors is a bag for new believers. Pick one of these up. Next Sunday during this service, the First Steps class, I want you to sign up for that. Get to that. It'll help you a lot. A couple weeks, we got water baptisms. Sign up for those. Get involved. If you need prayer, prayer to me. Be down front. We've got communion both sides of the room. Sign up for the blood drive. Sign up for Adventure Land. Lots of opportunities to literally lay your life down for others. I want to encourage you to do that. But here's my benediction for you today. You ready? May you go this week. And may you lay your life down for Jesus with joy, with joy because of love. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here today.